Well, how are we doing? It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. So glad you're here. Uh, Creek family, love that you're here, here, loft, online, everywhere. Veterans, thank you for being here. And thank you for going where you did. <clears throat> thank you for your sacrifice and for your service that allows us to be in a place like this to worship freely and to worship our God without fear. And so thank you for standing in the gap for us. And I pray that as we live in the freedom, as we steward the freedoms that you fought for, that we would be found worthy to carry on that stewardship. So thank you for what you did for us. Guests, thank you for being here. Um, we would love to help you get connected in family and what that means and what, we're, what, what this whole thing about the creek is. I mean, we're, 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 we're a little unique. Um, it's a, this is a place where it's okay to not be okay, <clears throat> but it's not okay to stay that way. And that means we get in the presence of God and we have an encounter with Jesus and then he begins to move in us and begins to transform and change us. And what he really does is he's, he's doing this work of bringing life out of death. And this series that we started last week is, is our study in the gospel of John <clears throat> that um, uh, Jesus is having to confront death quite a bit and really having to face the, the reality of his death coming and the death of people around him and the threats of his death and, and all of this that Jesus is still showing that he's Lord over death, even before his crucifixion and resurrection. So uh, if you'll go to your Bible, John chapter 11, <clears throat> um, and you'll have to forgive me on my voice. I don't know what happened, but it's, it's, it's fall in Texas, you know, and you could be doing just fine. And then all of a sudden, bam, there it is. And so I've got, I've got a pocket full of cough drops. I got water. Um, I've, <clears throat> and the, and um, this is no joke. I probably have an hour's worth of material for this weekend's message. I mean, I prepare and I prepare and I prepare, but I, I, we're going to get as far as we can get done, Okay. And uh, uh, just bear with me a little bit. So John chapter 11, Jesus shows up uh, in a scene of death and weeping and, and mourning and Lazarus has died and Jesus shows up in Bethany. He has a conversation with Martha <clears throat> and in the end of that conversation, you know, Jesus had said, do you believe me? Do you trust me that I'm the resurrection and the life? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the son of God who's coming into the world. And, and so that conversation is where we were last week and, and this weekend we'll pick it up because he's now gonna bring Mary and others into the, into the conversation and we kind of see the scene unfold but it says, when, when she had said this, when Martha had said this to Jesus, this is verse 28, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And what, what Martha went to tell Mary is, Jesus is here and Jesus is calling you. And that's, that's the title of the message this weekend is that Jesus is calling and we're going to spend <clears throat> the rest of this passage unpacking what he's calling us too. <clears throat> and so when Mary heard it, when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. See, Mary was still in the house. Martha had gone out to meet Jesus. When Mary's still in the house, she rose quickly and went out to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing she was going out to the tomb to weep. <clears throat> Uh, and, and so what, what, you, what you need to understand, kind of a custom and a tradition uh, in, in, the, in the culture of this day was that 
uh, when someone passed, there would be, you know, like in our culture, you know, they didn't have text, but, you know, word gets out. And then people start showing up at the house. And so they're bringing food and they're bringing, they're, they're just coming to just, to just sit, you know what I mean? Because so often when you're going through tragedy, when you're going through loss, when you're, when you're walking through the death of someone close to you, nobody has an answer for you. But what is the most comforting thing is for someone just to come and sit with you and say, I can't fix it. I don't know what to say to help it, but I'm here. And that, that's what was happening here. And people would come from as far as Jerusalem, two miles. For us to go two miles, not a big deal. But that, think about it. It'd be like me going from, from Dallas. I mean, and I don't go to Dallas for anything. You know, unless, unless you're dying. So <clears throat> I'll do it then. But even then, I'm going to find every toll road I can. I mean, just for grins one day, I looked because of traffic just to see what a flight would cost from Meacham to love. I'm not kidding you. I couldn't find one. It wasn't in the route, but I'm telling you, there are days I just, I just don't want to do that travel. I don't want to drive there. I don't, I don't like traffic, but, but so people would, they dropped everything and they'd come in and they were, they were, they were crying with Mary in the house and they saw her get up and take off and they thought, oh, she's going to run to the tomb and she's going to go cry. It says weep at the tomb and that weep is a, is a word for lamentation. And so it was a customary time for them to, as one in the presence with each other, they would wail, they would mourn, they would cry and they would weep and they would, they would pray, they would sing the Psalms and they would try to find comfort, but it's just, they're in it together. And so they see Mary get up and take off. They didn't know where she was going. <clears throat> and it said, when Mary uh, came to where Jesus was and saw him, notice this, she fell at his feet. That's, that's a posture of worship. You know, and, and, and then she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. I, I think there's something powerful we see. I think, you know, and I'm, I'm taking my own speculation when I said last week that I feel like Martha might have been a little angry coming to Jesus because she, I'm just looking at body language and kind of reading through it just like you do, but she got up, she ran out and she met Jesus where he was and said, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And I think that grief was leading her to bring her anger to Jesus. But here, Mary, she falls at Jesus' feet in worship. And I think when she says the same thing that, that Martha said, I think she's expressing faith that, that you have the power. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You have the power. There's faith that she's exhibiting and she's laying that faith at the feet of Jesus. And Mary shows up. This is the only the third time that, that we see Mary in the Gospels. These are the only recorded words of Mary. But every time we see Mary in the Gospels, there's a commonality. She's always at the feet of Jesus. You go back in John 11, verse 2, it says that Mary was the one who anointed Jesus with oil and wiped his feet with her hair from the tears that she was crying. Mary, the other time, the, the third time you see Mary is when Martha's running around the busybody in the kitchen and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then, and then Martha complains. Jesus, tell her to do something. He goes, oh, she's doing the right thing. She's at the feet of Jesus. And every time we see her, she's there. And what, what I think Jesus, when, when Martha said the master is calling, when Jesus is calling, I believe he's calling us to worship. 
And, and, and Mary exhibited faith in this. She recognized Jesus could have done something, but she still came and fell at his feet. She still took on a posture of worship, even in pain, even in loss, even in tragedy. Even if they're, listen, if you're in grief, you're dealing with emotions you don't even have labels for. But even in that, she's bringing it to the feet of Jesus in worship. There's so many times that I'm going through something heavy and I don't even know how to express it to God. And I just, I just get into worship and, and I, just, I just let the spirit intercede for me because I, I can't express what I'm feeling. You know, am I angry? Am I sad? Am I frustrated? I don't know. But God who knows my heart, who created me and knows the innermost part of my being knows exactly how to express to himself what I am feeling. And so often, you know, I, I hear people go, well, well, it's so hard to worship in the difficult times because we're wrestling with all the emotion. I also see the opposite end of that spectrum. It's hard to worship when everything's going good because we start listening to little lies of the enemy like it's all our fault that it's going good. Like we've got something working here and we just need to keep this streak going. And so I got this. And so where does that leave us? Somewhere in the middle? of up and down to, to really worship. No, Jesus calls us to worship in all circumstances. That when it's good, we worship him because he's good and he's leading us in the good. When it's bad, we worship him because he's good and he's still good even in the bad and he will lead us through the bad. He loves us too much to leave us in one of those places for too long because he knows that it will start to impact us and there is an enemy that starts to speak these little lies into us going, you don't need God. You don't need God. You got this. Look, you, you, you manage this all on your own. You got here all by yourself. And he loves to just in, inject those little lies. And so, man, I've, I've just learned that, you know, regardless of what emotion I'm feeling, I, I'm called to worship. That's why David, I mean, look, look, David, David went, through, just read the Psalms. And you're gonna see the spectrum that David constantly finds himself in. He starts going, I'm in the depths of hell. There's nothing, oh, but God, you lift up my head. And we're called to worship in that, in, in every emotion. And, and, and listen, there are times that worship, yes, it's an emotional experience. That God will stir our heart. He stirs our emotions. But we don't lead out with those emotions if we, if we try to chase the emotion instead of just get in the presence of God and worship, our, our call is to fall at his feet, not, not chase the goosebump experiences, right? It's kind of like, it's, it's like the ad adrenaline rush, you know, or, or, or those of you who are recovering addicts know the term chasing the dragon, right? There, there's, there's no high like the first one, so you're chasing it, you're chasing it, you're chasing it. And we, we, we tend to fall into that trap with worship and then we start, we start leaning and coming back off of worship because well, I didn't feel it like I did. I mean, I, I, our worship team is amazing. We have incredible worship. And even still, I can come in and I got things on my heart and I'm just like, you know, I'm expecting the worship team to just fire me up. You get me going. No, Jesus says, you get yourself going and then you get into my presence. Mary didn't say, well, let Jesus come to me and then I'll fall at his feet. No, it's a sacrifice of praise is what David would say. And we're called to bring that sacrifice of praise. We set ourselves at the feet of Jesus. That's our responsibility. That's our intentional movement toward the heart of God. And Mary's at the feet of Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, 
Look at this. Notice this. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. We get to see so many different sides of Jesus in this passage that we see see his humanity because Jesus is fully man. And we will see his deity, that he's also fully God. And we get to see the beauty in this because he's, he's deeply moved and greatly troubled. Why? I think because as creator, he is seeing the destruction of sin in the world that he created. Because remember, if you go to Colossians, all things, all things are created by him, for him, and through him. In John 1, it says nothing was created that he wasn't involved with the creation of. And he looks at his creation and he sees the grief and he sees the pain and they're lamenting and he, he, he knows the way to that. And what he sees is just, the, just, the, the, just the, the destruction in the world that the enemy has caused and how the enemy starts to begin to twist that and keep people in that. And death is an enemy and the devil will use death or the fear of death against us. I mean, I talk to so many people who are Christ followers who are so afraid of death. I mean, I'm not welcoming. I'm not saying, yeah, they just bring it on. <laughs> but I have nothing to fear in it because look at this. It's Hebrews 2, uh, 14 and 15. I love what it says here. It says, since therefore the children, that's children of God, if you are in Christ and if you believe in Christ, it says that we have been given the right to become children. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, speaking of Jesus, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So through his death, he destroyed death and the power of death that the devil uses to manipulate us and keep us in fear and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Think about how we can fall into lifelong slavery to the fear of death. It hits us every uh, January 1st, right? I got to get healthy, you know. I got to go to the gym. I got to start eating right. I got I got bad habits. I got to like I got to kick some habits, you know. Or 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 we go to a doctor, right? And we get you know, I remember going to the doctor in 2013 and and they, they I was having some 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 issues and they run some tests and 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 they just had they had the talk, you know, where it's like that come to Jesus meeting, you know, in a doctor's office. And I had, I, had to, I had to get on to something. You know, it wasn't, I, I had to not say, okay, I'm not doing this because I fear death, but I love life, right? And I love the life that Jesus has called me into. And I don't live in this fear of death. And Jesus is seeing how the enemy is manipulating the death and how he's manipulating people and creating a fear of death and creating fear and anxiety around so many things in our life. You know, and, and I, I mean, we, we get all spun up when we start thinking about something. You know, if, if, if you've got a loved one who's got a diagnosis and the doctors say, well, I don't know how much more we can do. And then we start getting wrapped up in anxiety around that. And you and I are called to lay that at the feet of Jesus. We worship him and we worship him through it because he's good and he's defeated death and he is the Lord of life. And Jesus is seeing how all this is coming together. In verse 34, and Jesus said, where have you laid him? And they said, come and see. This is where you see the humanity of Jesus because if you go back in this chapter, last week's teaching, right? Jesus knew Lazarus had died, okay? He's God, He knew Lazarus had died, but yet here he has to ask, where'd you lay him? 
This, he, he's got, he knew exactly where they laid him. But what you see is Jesus, who is God in the flesh, connecting with humanity. Because you're gonna see, Jesus is not, he's not somebody who sits outside of our emotions. You know, it's not, it's not somebody on the sideline going, you stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Right? I mean, Jesus gets involved with our emotions. I mean, how, how crazy would it have been if, like, Mary's at the feet of Jesus and she's worshiping? And, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died and you could have done something. And, and she's worshiping. And then Jesus sees her moved and all the people moved and he's greatly troubled and he's feeling the weight. And then all of a sudden he just walks away. <laughs> Where are you going? I'm going to the tomb. And we don't have a God who's that way. We have a God who is intimately connected with how we feel and desires to connect with us in every feeling. And then this is where this, this verse, got a lot of candy out of this verse in kids' church, man. John eleven thirty five. Because they would say, Do you, can you give us a Bible verse for a piece of candy? Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. <laughs> telling you, man, that paid some dividends growing up. I mean, I'm still fighting to get the weight off from that. But, you know, I mean, it, I mean hey, it worked. That is the shortest verse in Scripture. But that verse says so, so much. I mean, I, this, is, this is where in my study, I was just asking God, God, I, I got to, you know, I got to unpack this. You know, I just remember saying, I got to unpack this, but, uh, you know, also, you know, we teach on a clock because we got four services. It's not like we could roll in here for service and finish when we finish. You know, it's just, that's the, the, the nature of it. But Jesus wept. Uh, it, could take, it could take so long to unpack. And Jesus wept and he still knew the outcome. Because verse four, when he got a message that Lazarus was sick, he said, this illness doesn't end in death. It's hard to see that promise, right? When you stand at the tomb. It's hard to see that promise when you're feeling the weight of the emotions and everyone around you is weeping and lamenting. It's hard to really fully see the picture of that promise when you're grieved about how broken our world is. It's really hard. But Jesus was weeping. I think it reveals some things about our Savior that are incredibly important for us to understand. It reveals the humanity of our Savior. So often we think God is this distant deity. He just sits off and you know, he doesn't really get engaged with anything and he doesn't care about anything and, you know, I have to spend my life trying not to make him mad. And if that's your view of God, then I would invite you to experience the grace of God and the humanity of Jesus because Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, that God wrapped himself in flesh. He humbled himself to come into our world to lead us out of the death and lead us out of the brokenness. He has sympathy for us. Jesus can, you know, there's sometimes we'll say, I, I know how you're feeling. But we don't really fully know how they're feeling, right? I mean, I've had people say, I know how you feel. Like, do you? Do you really? I mean, you might have experienced something similar to what I'm going through, but do you really know how I'm feeling? Because I don't even know how I'm feeling. So can you, can you please give me some, some vocabulary to explain how I'm feeling? 
But Jesus knows exactly how we're feeling because he has experienced everything that we have. And I'm gonna go back to Hebrews. In Hebrews 4, it says, says this in verse 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. What is that confession? Our confession of faith that Jesus is Lord. For we do not have a high priest in Jesus who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then draw with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. We don't have a God that as we try to approach him, does the, what, what's the Christmas movie? I know you already are starting to watch Christmas movies because we've already, we've already logged two in our books. But the movie where the kid's like, oh, I know, it's a Christmas story. I want a Red Robert BB gun. And Santa goes, you'll shoot your eye out. Taps him on the head. God's not, a, I don't know why that picture just popped in my head. But like, it says that we can come confidently to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. We don't crawl to the feet of Jesus and Jesus, I need you desperately. My heart is heavy. This is, this is hard. I don't know what to do. No. He's fully involved. I would even argue that since he is, he, he's God in the flesh, he experiences what we do at a deeper level because it's all his anyway. I think when we experience sadness, he experiences sadness at a deeper level, fully understanding the depth of our sadness. When we experience joy, I think he experiences joy at a deeper level because he created us in his image to experience joy and the things of this life and the things of him and the kingdom and holiness and righteousness. And we rejoice. He rejoices with us. And I think he feels it even more because he's he, he, it's like we're seeing and getting glimpses of the kingdom at work in us and it reveals his humanity to us. I believe it reveals the tragedy of sin and the glory of heaven. As Jesus is weeping, I, I think he was weeping with the sisters and with the people there, but I think he was weeping for Lazarus because he's standing in a world that is broken, that he has entered in to redeem us. And he's like, man, Lazarus is not gonna be happy with me in a minute because Lazarus is in glory. He's in the glory of heaven and I'm gonna call him back to come back into a world that is broken with sin and where death is the operating system and he's gonna die again. I mean, I, I, think, I think if Lazarus, when he starts to hear Jesus calling, he's probably holding on, no, no. It's kind of like trying to get your kid out of kid's church sometimes. No, I remember, you know, just hanging on. But I think Jesus sees that. It reveals the tragedy. And he knew, Jesus knew what Lazarus was leaving. I mean, if you don't know what he was leaving, go back and, and watch last week because we talked about what happens when we die. That we're absent from this body. This body will go back into the ground, however you choose to plant it into the ground, but it will go back into the ground. But our spirit is home with the Lord. And so Jesus knew what he's calling Lazarus back from. And it reveals Jesus' love for us. It shows us how much he loves us. I mean, for John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave his best. 
for us. He loved us. When he looked into the brokenness that we are, when he looked into the situation that we're so desperately needing a rescue out of and have no hope of rescue, he loved us enough to enter into our mess. He never said, if you'll get yourself cleaned up, if you can figure, if, well, you know, or, or just telling us what Adam did wrong all the time, well, well, the reason you're in this was because of Adam. There's nothing you can do about that, I'm sorry. Adam ruined it for everybody. No, he's, he loves us so much that he engages with us. He's weeping out of his love for us. You know, there's, there's other times that we see Jesus weeping in scripture. I mean, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is, is looking out over Jerusalem. It says, and when he, knew, when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. And I, I've been to Jerusalem and I, I, can, I, can, I, can get a, I can get a sense of where this was because this was right after the triumphal entry and we were standing on the Mount of Olives looking into the city and Jesus is looking down and he's, he's weeping over the city and what, what he says is, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. This was in the first century. And we see Jesus' heart here for the people. We see him loving them. He's looking on them with love as he's praying for them. And you and I, you and I are called to pray for Israel. You and I are called to have the same heart that Jesus has for Israel. Because in Psalm 122, uh, Psalm 122, verse six through nine, says this, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. What does that mean? For the sake of the house of the Lord our God. Where does God make his dwelling now? He indwells the believers. You and I as believers, yes, we carry a responsibility to, yeah, we pray for peace. But yes, we need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and praying for the peace of Israel. We need to be praying for the gospel. A couple weeks ago, I said there's all these ideologies that go at war with each other. But the only way those ideologies are going to be torn down is through the gospel because we find ourselves not fighting against flesh and blood. I believe the scripture said something about that, didn't it? It said for our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Rulers and authorities and principalities. And what is it? Uh, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to what? The pulling down of strongholds and everything else that exalts itself against the the name and knowledge and word of Christ. And as Christ followers, as we follow him, we do things the way Jesus did. That's going to invite criticism. That's going to invite conversations. That's going to invite people not understanding our perspective and we better communicate our perspective in love. But listen, we better be following Jesus. And he tells them, you miss this peace because the hour of your visitation has come. He's weeping over them. 
we see his love for us because God loves this world and sent Jesus to reveal the depth of that love. And humanity's brokenness, yeah, it breaks the heart of God. But Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the peace. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is everything we need. I could go on and on and on about what it means for me that Jesus wept. But I believe Jesus wept to reveal himself to us in a deeper way. Verse 36. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? See, Jesus had his critics too. They notice Jesus, they see Jesus weeping. Oh, see how he loved him? But some of them are, 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 are defining Jesus' tears of tears of regret. He's crying because he can't do anything for him. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind, is he crying because he couldn't do anything? Because they know that Jesus loved Lazarus. They know that Jesus considered Lazarus a friend. They say, see how he loved him. What that tells me is nobody's expecting a miracle. They've already written the outcome. And notice this, they've already written the outcome even with Jesus in the presence. How many times do we do that? Because Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm here, I'm here with you even to the end of the age. And even with his presence right there in the midst of a difficult situation, we're already writing our own outcome. I do it. And then I have to turn around, I have to fall at the feet of Jesus and go, I'm sorry. But I need you. And then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. This just strikes me as funny because Jesus is deeply moved and Martha's like, he's like, hey, hey, take away that stone. I think Jesus is foreshadowed. He's like, I'm gonna tell another stone in a little while to roll away and it's gonna obey me quicker than this one is. He's like, Martha, roll away. "Ah, Jesus, (laughs) but uh, before we do that, uh, here, I think Martha's experiencing a, a little bit of a lack of faith, if you know what I'm saying. Because remember earlier, she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I got faith. If you'd have come, you could have fixed it. Martha, I'm the resurrection life. Do you believe this? Yes, you're the son of, you are the Christ, the son of God who's coming. That's faith. Now Martha's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if faith goes above odor. <laughs> I don't know if faith goes above decay, you know. I mean, yeah, he's been in, he's, he, he, he's been in four days, <laughs> And that the stone is sealed it up, and so there's not been any airflow in there. You just need to under Jesus. You need to understand what you get into. You ever? You, ever, you need to understand what you're what you're asking here. I think it said Jesus was greatly troubled again. I think because he's stepping up to look. Jesus knew exactly what it's going to smell like. Jesus knew the exact condition of his body. Jesus knew everything, but I think the greatly troubled was this he sees the death and decay that we experience. Every one of us are born dead. 
spiritually, yet scientifically we're alive. I mean, let's define being alive. So it, it, it is breathing and uh, scientifically that's alive, but every one of us are born spiritually dead. We have no hope. And every one of us, isn't every one of us are dead without Christ, but we all have different levels of decay. And Jesus knows what's going on. And I, here's what I love. Praise God. He doesn't care how, what the stink of your situation is. He's willing to open it up and get in there. I mean, there, there's a lot of things I'm going to bypass on. I will not change my grandkids' diapers. I will not open that diaper. I ain't going there. There are some things that, that I choose not to open out of the refrigerator because I can already see the growth happening through the container. And some days, if it, and I've, I, I've gotten to the point, I've opened it, I was like, oh, that's close. And I, Heather does my sniff test or two. But Jesus doesn't care. This was a command, open the tomb. Because when Martha said he's gonna stink, Jesus said, did I not tell you? Did I not tell, I sent you a message in verse four. Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. They took away the stone out of that promise. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe you sent me. Jesus wasn't praying for his benefit. He was praying for ours. He was praying for this audience because they rolled away the stone. He says, Father, I thank you that you always hear me because the father and the son had already settled this matter before Jesus even set out for Bethany. The father and the son had already settled this matter before anybody even heard of Lazarus. What Jesus is calling us to is faith. He's calling us to faith. Did I not tell you? If you believe, how do, I, how, how do we visit faith? By remembering. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that this illness would not lead to death, but this happened so that the son of man may be glorified, the son of God may be glorified? Didn't I tell you that? And I've always seen Jesus being true to his word. And faith looks beyond our present circumstances to what Jesus has told us. He's true to his word. It may not look the way you think it should look. This looked nothing like they thought it would look. Look at, look at that throughout scripture, right? Look at the disciples on Good Friday. Wasn't good for them. Not till Sunday. But on Friday it looked bleak. Look at Acts 2. We're gathered in this upper room. Jesus ascended. He said, go and pray. And we came and prayed. And ain't nothing happening. What's happening? It is not, it's not. What's going on? Paul and Silas in the prison. We're just preaching the gospel and they're beating us and, and putting us in shackles. But we're going to worship. Didn't look like the way they thought it was going to look like. What is your situation right now? What is your, you know what it looks like. But listen, faith calls us to look at it through the eyes of Jesus. And I would just ask you, have you laid it at his feet? And I would say, if you have, stop picking it back up. That's what God's challenged with. When, when, when you give it to me, give it to me. Let me have it. But don't let anything get in the way. Remember when uh, uh, Peter was walking on the water? And that takes great faith, right? He's got his eyes fixed on Jesus. 
And then he looks around at the situation. It doesn't look right. He starts reasoning to himself, I shouldn't be doing this. Something, no, this is weird. And he starts to sink. And Jesus picks him up. He grabs him up and says, oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? What was Peter's problem in that? It was fear. And fear will always get in the way of keeping us from fully trusting Jesus. So I, listen, and fear, gets, fear, fear will get us into saying things like, he might not show up. Jesus might not show up. He might not do it in time. He might not show up in time. Remember, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Jesus is late by their time period, their timetable. He may not fix it. He may not fix it the way I think he should fix it. I would just say this, don't lose faith. You might lose the job, but don't lose faith. You might lose the marriage, but don't lose faith. You might lose the car. You might lose the house. You might lose all this stuff, but don't lose faith. That is your choice. You decide whether or not you're going to lose faith or not. That's your choice. And then Jesus calls his name in verse 43, Lazarus, come out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're going to make a diversion landing here uh, because I don't, want to, I don't want to shortchange the word and I don't want to shortchange you with the word. So uh, here's how this will play out. We'll finish this message next week. And uh, for those of you watching line, if, you, or if, you, if you're wondering, should I come next week, I'll give you a recap. And I'll tell you what, I'll give you some bonus material next week because there's an amazing passage that I was supposed to be teaching next week uh, that, that well, don't worry. Don't worry about it, but I would rather you have the word than, than all of Matt's commentary. So let me pray for us, and then, uh, then we'll, uh, we'll let you do some business with God here at the, here at the altar. So, uh, Father, we come to you, and we come to you in the name of Jesus, who is the Lord of life. And uh, I thank you that, 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 Jesus, you call us to worship, and you call us to faith, and, and you call us to life, and you call us to freedom, and you call us to be an example. And ultimately, Jesus, you're calling us to yourself. And so, uh, Father, I pray right now, just as the power of God was moving in John 11 and through Jesus and his interactions with people in their hearts and pulling people from, from death into life, I pray that that same thing happens today. I pray that today's the day that they will hear your voice calling them out of their situation, no matter how bad they think it is. That get, Jesus, you have shown us over and over that you're willing to get into it. You're willing to get your hands dirty. You're willing to get your feet dirty. You're willing to get your hands pierced with nails. You're willing to get your feet pierced with nails. You are willing to bleed on our behalf. And you showed us that you are willing to get into our situation. So I invite you now on behalf of everyone hearing this message that you step in and reveal yourself that you call them to life and call them to worship and call them to faith and I pray that our response to you would be to place ourselves at your feet Jesus and invite you in invite you to do something that we can't we don't even know can be done invite you in to do something that we've already written an outcome that is is so different that we invite you to write the outcome. We invite you to tell the rest of the story. We invite you to bring salvation into our life, to bring us to life out of death. We worship you and we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I love you guys very much.